0: at www.mapministry.org Today's message is an audio conversation entitled The Five-Fold Appeal to be Justified by Faith Alone. This is part two of three.
1: You know, there's there's one thing I have noticed recently. There's one thing that sets Christianity apart from religion. And when I say religion, I mean every religion like uh Um, Hinduism like Islam like uh, you know there's actually a couple thousand religions in the world Uh, there's one thing that sets Christianity apart from that that is humility Um, religion seeks to appease God with one's well-doing or works or whatever Uh, Christianity is is admitting that we cannot appease God and receiving a free gift from a God from a gracious God you know, we ha- in order, anybody, in order to receive a gift, we have to be humble. Sometimes it's not easy to receive a gift um, when when we don't feel like we're worth it. It's hard to receive a free gift, and that's why it takes humility. So remember, if you have a religion that requires you to somehow appease God, to somehow find favor in, in God's sight through your well-doing, it's just a religion. It's not Christianity of the Bible. Bible Christianity, it offers a free gift that you have to humble yourself to receive it.
2: <laughs> All right. I have a question that's kind of maybe a little different, but I'm wondering if you can address um, how works. Let's see. If, if a child is brought up to try to please their parents by good works, by pleasing them by works, does that play into... Also, maybe later on when we're going to deal with our salvation, is it more difficult for us to receive the Father's love and understand that uh, we can't buy God's love, and, and yet having been raised maybe with strict parents or something, might that be a more difficult? Can you address that for us?
3: I think Lydia has a bit. Very good, uh, very good question, and I think it obviously plays into, um, the way we look at salvation. I mean, it, you know, just, uh, as a son growing up, I, I was, uh, you know, I, it was performance driven in, in, in a, in a, in more ways than one, whether you were at home or at school, uh, if you had good, st- good scores, you got Stars. If you didn't, you didn't get a star. You know, just little things like that. We were taught and raised to to believe that if I do it right, I will earn the price, and if I don't, then then I won't own, earn the price. And I, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, and then there's the pride factor. I mean, we like to look at ourselves as pretty good people. You know. That I could do something for God to please Him, and and uh, but when we go to uh, the Prophet Isaiah, and he makes it so clear that even our good works are as filthy rags, and and if our good works compared to filthy rags, then then all of a sudden we realize that uh when it comes to salvation, it's not performance driven. It is a free gift that we did not deserve.
4: That was completely Uh, paid for uh, when christ died on the cross and as christian parents who are supposed to represent god the father to our children too it's important for us to make sure we're more like god that we have his attributes and feelings and we and are holy and that just like we love when god says good job when we know he's pleased with us our children need to know that the parent is in charge and the child is to honor and obey his parents But also that the child needs to know that the parent is going to love that child even when he messes up. And we're going to help train them to walk in the right way. Because if the child sees that in his own father, who's a sinful human, his picture of God could be a lot different. Knowing he's not some cruel slave master. But he's a loving father who is his father.
2: I like that aspect of the unconditional love for the child. I'm thinking of our own experience. We had a a child that was having a rough time during her adolescent years and she uh, was uh, well, in a, on the verge of self-destruction and uh, she said she just kept hearing her mother's voice say, I love you, I love you. And uh, I think that even though we don't always, and many times we may not agree with what our children do, um, we still... Need to say, hey, we love you. We can get together. We can get through this together. You know, I'm on your side. Let's let's do it together. I'm I'm on your side. And lots of times, if if our children understand that we love them unconditionally, even when they mess up, and even and and I believe I believe plays into the humility because we want our children to look perfect. We want our children to look like they're not. Uh, You know, maybe not even human. You know, we want so good, look so good. And for us to let our children make mistakes and and not cover up and yet be right there with them, not to embarrass them, but to put our arms around them. Um, That's what God does for us because how many times have I messed up, you know? And if He wouldn't have been there to just pick me up again and and, uh, set me on the right path, you know. I wouldn't be even where I am today. And so I think that's really, really important.
4: Amen. Remember, we'll try to have a conference call on the first Sunday of every month from now on. So next time we might discuss that family article that's in the Amish Voice. And then on Sunday, October 6th, we we plan to have Bruce Langeman, who's a pastor and the author of To Kill a Lion, Destroying the Power of Lust from the Root. So that should be interesting, too, and helpful. So try to get in the habit of calling in the first sunday of every month at 8 eastern and if you want to hear these recordings later on you can dial 641-715-3800 pin number to put in after that is 89752 the amish voice article the commentary on galatians it asks us questions how many experiences meant for the christian believer have you missed out on because you turned your back And why is turning back so appealing at times? Maybe it is fear or just being perfectly content to keep things like they are. Or maybe your excuse is a complete lack of faith. If you are thinking about turning back or if you have already started down the backward journey, listen closely to this first appeal. Do not turn back. And that's probably, we all can give examples in our own lives of where we messed up, where we knew what was right to do and we didn't. Or we knew if we obeyed God in faith, things would have turned out differently. And think how many people have heard the truth. And I've thought, maybe this is right, but I'm afraid to do what's right. What will my friends think? What will my my family think? And we turn back. We've been set free. So if you're like that or you know people that are, then encourage them to continue following what the truth is because eternity is a long time. It's not worth making a friend for a little while if you turn your back on what God says.
3: Well, I think uh, think we're obviously going to see that when... I, I, I don't know if this is necessarily scripture, but I guess maybe I've heard people say and and I guess I tend to believe it's true that when we die we'll be able to look back over our lives and maybe see all the things we missed because we took situations into our own hands. Uh, I'd be curious to, to know what others think about that uh, or, or do you think God God will protect us from ever having to look back and see anything that happened in the past.
4: God even told the Israelites sometimes, if you would have followed me, this is what I would have done for you. And yeah, we don't know everything about eternity, but God says he's going to wipe away our tears. And to me, that means I'm going to be crying at the beginning. And, I mean, even from the things I can think of. I know I'm going to be ashamed when I stand before God and wonder why I did that when I knew it was wrong or why I didn't help this person when I knew I could or why I tell this person about the truth before he died.
5: Uh,
3: yeah, I've thought about that scripture too, Paul, on numerous occasions. Um, we think that the moment we leave this earth, we are immediately in in heaven and everything's going to be... Uh, perfect and, and holy and righteous, but there's going to be that moment between the grave and, and eternity when something will be shown to us that will cause us to, to cry tears.
4: Yeah, I don't think... There can't be anybody that can stand before God and think that we're worthy to go to heaven because of us. We're going to all be ashamed and realize how sinful we really were. But then that's when the justification by faith comes in.
5: Praise God.
4: We're not worthy. We don't deserve to go to heaven. But then we see Jesus. And we see his hands and his side. And we know that we trust in him. So we don't have to try to get in there on our own. Because we can walk in with him. So why would you want to go any other way when you know it's the wrong way? This passage in Galatians is not just for the Christians who are turning back to works, but it's also for the unbeliever. And the Amish voice says the unbeliever is characterized by two significant traits. Number one, the unbeliever does not know God. This means that he does not know God in a personal way. God's Spirit does not dwell in the unbeliever, filling the unbeliever with the fullness of God. The unbeliever does not experience God's divine nature, presence, assurance, care, love, life, power, confidence, or provision. So that's the first part. The unbeliever can try, but he's always missing something inside. He doesn't have confidence in God. He doesn't have confidence in and how can he, if he doesn't know the one who is our righteousness and sanctification and redemption and wisdom? One of the scariest and saddest passages in the Bible to me is the one that Jesus says, Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done these works and cast out demons and done miracles in your name? And he says, Depart from me because I never knew you. These weren't people that hated God. They thought they were following him. Right. Right. Mm. They thought they were doing what was right. They thought they were pleasing God. They were standing there following him while he was doing the miracles. And yet they did not know the truth. They thought they were going to be okay without doing things God's way, without being born again. And it's going to be a surprise to them. And imagine if you're in that situation where you're going to church, you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're doing what you're told to do, you even read the Bible and pray, but you've never been born again. You don't have that assurance and joy and peace and love that God promises. Don't wait until you stand before Him and be surprised. Paul says, make your calling and election sure. Examine yourselves and see whether you're in the faith. Figure it out now or too late.
3: Yeah, I uh, over the years, I have asked my own children at times uh, to examine their hearts and, and just uh, recount the time that they came to Christ and gave their lives up for him. And I wanted to hear it from them. I wanted them to to examine their you know themselves and and make sure and and I think that's something that uh, the Apostle Paul was very clear on. Each one of us needs to do that uh, it would be it would be very uh, like Paul said, a very sad day to go through life and and then in the end find out that that we had never really had. That assurance that uh, new births take place in our lives.
4: Anybody want to share how they became a Christian? How they were following uh, false ways and learned the truth?
5: I might interject a little bit. With, uh, when I first became a Christian, I would uh, I would often have doubts. I mean, Satan would bring doubts to my mind, you're not a Christian, look, you just bummed up real bad, you goofed up, and I'd be back down on my knees asking Christ to come into my heart again to forgive me, and i said, say, well, I'm a Christian now, if I wasn't, I am now. <laughs> After a while, I realized, you know, Satan is pulling my, he, he's just trying to make me doubt and rob me of my assurance, which clearly the Bible gives me assurance, you know, even Abraham was accounted righteous because he has faith in God, he believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And uh, I finally told the devil, I said, I know I'm born again. I didn't ask Christ into my heart. I trusted him to be my Savior. I know I'm born again. You know, he's going with that stuff somewhere else. And uh, he's not bragging on me or anything that I've done, but Christ (laughs) saved me, and and he's leaving me alone on that point. Thank God for that.
3: Amen. Amen. I think, yeah, for me it was just uh, uh, I had always been a good person. I... I looked at myself as, as a good sinner. I, I would never say that I wasn't a sinner, but I was a good sinner. And I measured myself by others who had done sins a whole lot worse than I ever did, such as murder and commit adultery and, and um, you know, things things that, that uh, people do that end up in penitentiary. I measured myself against them, and so I sort better considered myself um as as a good sinner, but I remember the day that uh uh the man that shared the gospel with me um was trying to help me understand that there's no such thing as a good sinner, that we've that uh we don't measure up to God. And I remember thinking of my Uncle Albert uh who was a deacon in the Amish church and I I, I thought of all people he would probably be on the front line of getting into heaven. I looked up to him. Uh, he was sort of a, uh, a, a mentor in my life. And I remember telling uh, the guy that was sharing the gospel with me that Uncle Albert would give the shirt off of his back. He would do whatever it took to make everybody else happy. And, and so, um, that's when he went to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, where it says, for all have sinned, even Uncle Albert, all of us. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of me that day like never before. And it was at that moment that I felt, um, I, I saw it. I mean, my eyes opened up and there was nothing I could do. The Bible says, for whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And that day I called from the bottom, from the depth of my heart, called out to God. And ask him to save me from my sin. And I remember when I did that, I had never experienced such outpouring of love and forgiveness. And I just, I just knelt there and wept and I felt my sins lifted and, and the Bible says that God cast them as far away as the West is from the East. It was absolutely no sin whatsoever left in me. He cleansed me, forgave me. That day I put on God's righteousness and someday when I stand before him, he will see God's righteousness, not my own.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.matministry.org, or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.